This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. If they expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing, I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I'm Billy Mully, joined by Jamie Castle and Kieran Robertson after yesterday's 1-0 defeat at Fulham. It's a warm day. It was a day where we all thought we could have got something. Um, and I'm sure we're all going to allude to the fact that as the game played out, we still carried that notion that we should have really got something out of it at least. First of all, Jamie, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, obviously, still a bit gutted about the result yesterday. Um, but other than that, it was a good day out. It was probably the last day of the season, or at least until April or May, where we can wear sh- shorts on the top. So I was just trying to enjoy that whilst it's lasting, because no doubt that the uh, the sun is going to be no more for the next few months, or even six, six seven months. Yeah, we're up north for the uh, next few away games, isn't we? we? We've got <laughs> Everton, we've got Villa and then Forest, so... Uh... Yeah, to, well, a trip to the north, trip to the Midlands, all those nice south, southern away days. They're on the back burner for a little bit. How about you, Kieran? How are you getting on? Yeah, not bad, lads. Good to be back on. Obviously, wasn't on the preview pod, but we're we're back again. Um, a little bit tired from yesterday, if I'm honest. Uh, actually, had a bit too much beer, probably. Felt it about half past one, and I was like, right, you need to slow down, good boy. Um and, my, and the heat with that doesn't help. But to be fair, I'm just a bit gutted about yesterday, but we'll get on to that. 
As we've mentioned there, the result means that Luton are pointless from the first four games of this Premier League campaign. Um, going through the Fulham game, we're going to start with Too Good, Too Bad, our social feature that we started near the start of the season. And the first one here we've got from Lewis Jones, who uh, is a writer, of course, for Oak Road Hatter. He's um, got in contact very uh, quite often with these two good, two bad. And um, I think what he tends to say typically mirrors uh, what, what Jamie and Kieran have to say as well. So uh, all aligned, I think that's what we can, that's what we can take from it. But going to his two good, his two good were Brown was a real live wire and caused Fulham a lot of issues. And then the second one was that we looked very solid, barring the goal. I can't think of one good chant goal aside. And that's something we spoke about, Jamie, off air. The fact that Fulham didn't really create much. Um, it was reflected on the XG. It was reflected on what we saw as fans. Um, we did look solid enough. And, you know, barring uh, a mistake, barring uh, a, a slip up, we would be talking about our first clean sheet of the, of the Premier League season. Yeah, spot on. And that's, I think, why we're all gutted, really. Um, I put tactically, again, it's not the nicest like style to watch in terms of being a fan and seeing the other team have the ball for, for, for such long spells because you want to be excited by your team going forwards. But nonetheless, like, we've limited Fulham to pretty much nothing. Um, obviously, you had the, the, the Vinicius tap-in from the Kaminsky sort of half tried to catch it, but half tried to palm it away, got caught in two minds, which is a bit bit annoying. But yeah, there's that one chance. And then probably the, the Tete header over the bar. Watched match the day last night. Wasn't really much else. A few pot shots from Paulinho and, uh, and co. But other than that, and then if you look at our chances, Jacob Brown obviously was part of, of Lewis's too good. Hit the post from a header. Um, you had the Tom Lockyer, Lockyer glance. Like Yeah, we, we had so many more, not not so many more chances, but I think we created as much, if not more than them, despite having the ball for 20% of, of, of the game. Um, so, yeah, structurally, we started really well. And, yeah, just frustrating that we can at least come away with a point, nil-nil. And within that, Kieran, he mentioned Jacob Brown, a player that got his first Premier League start. We've been... Um, really impressed so far with what we've seen in glimpses of him but he got an opportunity to, to perform from the very start and in my eyes he, he took that well yeah I agree he did and it's something that sort of we were call, not necessarily calling for like demanding that Eli was dropped for him but it was more of a I'd like to see it and I've seen it now and he offers a lot considering all we've seen of him is off the bench so it's easy to look a little bit Let's say it's easier to look a little bit better when you're coming up against weakened legs and you're the fresh one. But fresh legs against fresh legs, I think he performed really well. Obviously, I had the chance, gutted for him to hit the post. But fine margins, better at pressing, offers something different. Again, more of a wide player. So again, rather than having two down the middle, it gave us a chance to sort of play him and Chong off of Morris and have sort of two outlets coming into Morris rather than just the one sat behind. And going on to the two bad, and it was 
following from his previous point, um, it was silly errors. And then, of course, that refers to the goal. Um, something that, you know, maybe when we've acclimatised to the Premier League that little bit more, those kind of errors are eradicated from our game. That's what we're hoping for, at least. And then his second one was not taking the chances, which, again, we've, we've already alluded to. There was three very decent chances. There was a couple of other um, half chances. And again, I think you can put that into the category of when we are fully firing in this Premier League, you you expect to take one or two of them. And we're, we're starting to speak about points instead of a pointless weekend. Going on to uh, LTFC Reese. Again, in similar vein, he said we had a lot of chances and we improved the performances yet again. There does seem to be um, this notion that we are building towards, you know, a first win, a first point. And I think, again, our performance against Fulham was, was probably a slight level up than, than the West Ham performance. That's probably to be debated. Um, in terms of his too bad, we didn't take our chances and silly errors. And then finally, Jimmy G, LTFC, he's too good. Tried a 4-4-2 and some new faces at kickoff. Um, I don't know if I had too much beer. When, when did the 4-4-2 come? Was that... <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I either blame the beer or, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't really remember that at all. Was that when, potentially when Woodrow came on? But I, I, he went out to the left, didn't he? Maybe, yeah. I think he he went out wide left and then we took Burke off and everyone just shifted across. Madge was on the right, Lockyer, middle, Bell was left and then Doughty was left wing back. So, yeah, I think we stayed with the, the back three slash back five throughout. But yeah, I can't play. Who knows why? But it is interesting the fact that formations, um, they seem, when said aloud, they seem to be so different. But in game, yeah. there's so many little tweaks that you can do to make them very, very similar. Um, so, yeah. It could have could have happened, but yeah, I can't really cast my mind back to that. And uh, Jimmy's second uh, good aspect of the game was that we kept our shape for 94 minutes, which, you know, obviously is something that was going to be massive for us this year to, to try and stay in this division. We are going to have to structurally and tactically be better than other teams. And I think for, for large parts of the game, we did that. Going to his two bad elements... Um, no composure on the ball, pass completion, 60%. And then his second bad aspect was was too much respect of the opposition, which is a it's, it's a aspect that keeps cropping up from, from fans this season. Too much respect for the opposition. Coming to you, Kieran, do you think that's um do you think that's something that comes hand in hand with affording the opponents lots of possession? Um, do you think that that translates to people thinking that we're given too much respect? Yeah, I think it's easy to sort of think, oh, we're giving them a lot of respect when you're giving them 80% of the ball, right? But I think in a game like yesterday, there were some Fulham fans on my train home for context and they were sort of like, yeah, we dominated you. Yeah, we had 80% of the ball. We completed an extra 600 more passes than you. And it all just went on deaf ears to me because I just turned around and said, but what did you do with that? Like, minus the goal, tell me something else that you actually did. And they were like, um, yeah, I don't really know. So it's like, you could say, oh yeah, we're giving them too much respect. We're not pressing them. We're not this. But like, you look at a team like West Ham, they thrive off a counter-attacking style of play and they will let you have that ball no matter what. They will just say, do you know what? Have it. 
because they know that when they have it, they'll do something with it. And they don't mind about surrendering possession because they know that that's, that's just not how they want to play football. And that's absolutely fine. And that's probably what Rob Edwards has said to us. Ours is, you're going to spend a lot of games this year soaking up pressure. You're going to spend a lot of time not with the ball. So then it's important that when we do have the ball, and that probably explains that sort of tactical change yesterday, like I mentioned with the two behind Morris, is like, doesn't matter if you don't have the ball. Doesn't matter if we're not pinging it around left, right, centre. But then I noticed a lot. It was as soon as we got the ball, it was into Lukonga. He's turned out and you've either got Chong this way, Kabore or Brown that way. And his addition, and we'll get onto that later in the pod, just spraying that ball and just getting us out quicker. That That's what should matter. Not We're giving them too much respect and letting them have the ball. You can let a 34-year-old Tim Ream have the ball because he's going to do fuck all with it. But there's, like, there's no need to press every ball. There's no need to, oh, the ball's gone back. Sprint after all the time. Why gash yourself out 25 minutes in? Do that after 75. Do that at 80 minutes, sure, which we did. But do you have to do that all 90? No. And that's interesting because Rob Edwards has, has spoken about pressing and under Edwards, under Nathan Jones as well, we've, been, we've grown a reputation of being very good pressers. That doesn't necessarily mean pressing every given moment. It means choosing the right moments to press. And I think, again, used yesterday as evidence, I think we chose the, the right times to press. For the most part, you're not going to get every um, trigger right. But for the most part, I think we I think we did that well. And with your point there as well, we, we grew accustomed to last year going to these places like Swansea, Blackburn, even Cardiff, if, if I remember rightly, and seeing, you know, 35% possession. But we controlled those games so easily. I think there's this preconceived notion that if a team has 65%, 70% possession, they are the team that's dominating. I think we we sort of myth-bust that, especially last season where we went to these places, like the Swansea 2-0, we've seen probably no more than 30% possession and, and we just soaked up that pressure, gave them absolutely nothing and created big chances. And I think, again, that's something that we're we're going to see this season, probably to an even higher extent. And yeah, I guess that's something that we're, us Luton fans will, will have to grow accustomed to once again. Jamie, we'll go on to our own analysis now of Fulham away. And we'll start at the very beginning. We'll start at the starting lineup. There were a few um, a few changes, of course. I think that the first one to speak about was Amari Bell at left wing back. Um, previous pod, we were saying Giles or Dowerty. We didn't even give Bell um, the opportunity, not the opportunity, but we didn't even believe that he was an option there for the, that particular game. I know he's he's been a left wing back for Luton for, uh, from the start of his Luton Town days, but he grew into that left-sided centre-back role and then made it his own. How surprised were you with that and how do you think you fared? Um, in terms of Barry, I thought he was he was good. Uh, again, I think at times maybe a bit jaded, but he, he sort of, he's just, I don't know how he keeps just churning out these 90 plus minutes every week or twice a week. He's just an absolute machine in terms of what he's done. So fair play to him. No doubt in his commitment for the cause. He's um, 
yeah, if that was me, I'd 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 I'd, I'd be on my knees by this time playing twenty four months of, of football with with little to no break. So yeah, absolute kudos to to Amari. In terms of the actual setup, I mean, it, it was a bit surprising. I think the back three was what we said it would be in terms of the Burke Anderson and and, and Lockyer. I think that that wasn't a surprise, but obviously it was a surprise that Wawelin played Doughty or Giles out on the left. We we shifted Bell out there instead. Um, whether that's a bit of a, a message to Giles to say you've got to defend better, or maybe he, he viewed it as he'd rather have them impact it in the last half hour. So a bit like what Kieran was saying, sort of just try and get to the latter stages in the game and then and then try and go from there and, and get something in the last half hour. Maybe that was, was what he was doing because the pace of Doughty against a, a sort of a, a tired Ream and, and, and Tete certainly makes sense. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was a surprise, um, but I think by and large it worked, right? Because as we were saying, we limited them to basically nothing. Um, so yeah, I mean, is, is, is it something that I expect to see going forwards? Maybe not, especially not at home. I think I would be shocked if we did that next Saturday. Um, but in the away games, who knows? It, it, it might give us that option. And then going on to um, another important selection dilemma that we highlighted previously, it was Lukonga, whether he would get a start. He did alongside Nakamba. And um, I think, Kieran, you've already alluded to the fact that he gives us that ability to spray the ball and in the attacking transition, he is able to turn and get us up the pitch quicker. Were you impressed by him and, and do you think he's a good option for a game like that where we were, as we've mentioned already, sitting back a lot more and, and soaking up pressure and obviously relying on the counter-attack? Do you think he'll be effective in home games as well going forward? I do. Like I think home or away, that partnership between Lukonga and Nakamba became super effective and you saw it yesterday. It's sort of Nakamba on his own. And to be fair, even little pockets in yesterday's game, like that's a bit lost. He's sort of getting back up the speed of the Premier League, it feels like, but then also forming a new partnership with this with Lukonga, right? But Lukonga yesterday impressed me. It was like it was quite evident that I mentioned before, every time we were sort of looking to get out, if it was through the center of the pitch, it was Lukonga turn and he's looking up, and you've already got one or two players either side, depending on game state, they're gone already. And the way that I think the pass that come off a lot more often was the one to Kabore, Kabore overlapping Brown. And that pass come off five, six, seven times. But you obviously you want Kabore to have a better end product. And if he did, he he wouldn't be at Luton, he'd still be at Man City. Right. But imagine if Kabore's end game improves over time, that ball, that cross you kind of wanted Morris and Eli in the box for that sort of thing. So it's, will we see sort of a return to that? Now we have that partnership. I'd quite like to, um, but then it sort of leaves the option of then who plays ahead of that, that two. Cause I think that two for me, that's what we need. So then do you go Chong or do you go Barkley ahead of that? And I think admittedly yesterday, I think the game needed Barkley, but I think at home, you'd probably go for someone like Chong. I would actually love to have seen Eli in that sort of left-wing role. I think, OK, he's a centre-forward by trade and for a, a big man, you don't really expect him to be like a, like, like a wide player. But 
you've seen it time and time again, whenever he's found himself out wide against a fullback or a wide center half, he's always found a way to skin him or nutmeg them and, 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 and get round. And I think just in the press, I think he's probably one of our best forward presses of the ball, the way he um, he just constantly chases the ball down. Um, so I think, OK, he might not give us as much on the counter. I think Chong, for example, that, that, that counter in the first half, the pace and and, and speed to, to, to get through to goal and and beat us in half was, was, was fantastic. But I think in the actual build up and in in the actual press, I think Eli would give us so much more in that role. Um, and then also like in that situation, as you say, Kieran, if, if Gabor is out out on on the wide right of the ball, you tell Eli, okay, you, you're playing almost off the left. But when Gabor is out on the right of the ball, you get in the box, you support Morris, and you try and get on the end of the cross. And I feel he will give us sort of almost both dynamics in terms of off and on the ball it's almost that sort of like inside forward role isn't it like yeah. you play manager in your head and you're kind of like i want you to be on the left wing however you're more here you're not there and the thing is he drifts out left naturally anyway like you think mm. when they play the two up top you always see morris is stationary in the middle obviously he does move you know what i mean and eli always drifts especially when they sort of keeper distribution he always drifts out to the left he likes to link up with Doughty. He'll link up with Chong. It's all Clark from last season. Like, it's, to be fair, it's a great shout. Like, you can imagine a front three of him, Morris, and Brown, either Brown or Chong then on that right-hand side. Oh, that'd be unbelievable. <laughs> and, yeah, you're mentioning Adebayo then. He came on uh, part of a quartet that came on, wasn't it? It was him, mm. Ogbene, Pelly. Was it Woodrow Doughty. or Dinkon? Oh, Doughty, of course. It was Doughty. Um, and again, I think we've seen those subs make a real impact. I think that's been a theme of this season where competition levels are that that very high. They're, they're so high this year that they're driving um, performance levels. And when these players come on, they, they feel that they've got a point to prove. And I think that was that was evident yesterday. Really impressed by, by Adebayo when he did come on. Yeah. And um, as well, Ogbené, who's obviously had a, a very productive international break. It's exciting to have quality on the bench that have the ability to to change games in our favour. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, I think spot on Eli. He, um, I thought when he came on, he was excellent. I think he was he, he skinned either Diop or I'm not sure who, who it was out on the left, but then unfortunately we managed to clear it. And just when when he skins that centre half, you just think, oh, please, just get something on it and and put it in 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 the bottom corner. But yeah, it wasn't to be. And I think on that, I think Eli made such an impression because I actually wasn't overly impressed with Morris yesterday. I think going back to the two bads um, in terms of the taking the chances. I mean, for your centre forward to only have one shot off target all game. Um, okay, in the build-up, he held it up okay, mm-hmm. and 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 brought, brought other players into play. But he, he just needs to create more. I think okay, he was almost like the lone striker, but he had two he had two wide forwards supporting him, and you saw time and time again last season he almost just sort of had those odd pot shots from sort of like 20, 25 yards out, and what one or two sort of went in. And I, I think he just needs to. I don't know whether he's lost a bit of confidence in his in his in, his, in himself because it's been four games now and no open play goal because he scored the penalty at Brighton. But I don't know. I think he, yeah, it's it's tough. I I don't want to criticise too soon because there's only four games and 
until yesterday, probably games where he was up against very good defenders. But I think he could have been a bit more of a hassle for Reem and, and Diop yesterday, especially Diop was booked in the first half, right? So you just put, put him under pressure all game. But after that, he wasn't really under too much pressure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, whether Eli comes in and starts instead or against Wolves, if you want to stick with that that sort of 5-2-3 or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, maybe we do a Brown, Eli or Bene to start. We're now going to head into a short break and when we're back, we're going to look at some more individual performances from Fulham and then we will finish with a bit more of a tactical outlook on things. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. We are back for part two of today's episode where we are reviewing yesterday's 1-0 defeat to Fulham. And we're going to go on to Issa Kabore in a bit more detail. Um, he's a player that my opinion of his performance yesterday um, has changed dramatically. I think in the moment, I didn't think he had the best of games, but but thinking back to his contributions and um, I think the general job he'd done on a player like William, who has caused many defences in this division, lots of problems. I think he had a, a decent and enough uh, performance against him. He was resilient. He was um, matching him for stride for stride for the most part. And I know the goal did come down his side. We'll go into that in a bit more detail in a minute. But yeah, I think ultimately it was a strong performance that I was blinded by... Um, I don't know, sometimes being at the game, you, you get into a state of mind that's completely different to when you're... Yeah, there mm -hmm. you go. There's the goggles. That, that makes sense. For those who had the pleasure of watching the video, Billy's beer goggles from that. From this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's completely fair to say because my opinion completely changed this morning. Um, Jamie, we'll come to you first. Kabore... Um, uh, uh, coming to his attacking contributions first, he obviously created two, I wouldn't say golden chances, but two very good opportunities. Um, and, and that's something that I critiqued during the uh, near the start of the season, that he was a very good one-on-one -on -one defender, but his quality in the final third could have been better. Yesterday's final, uh, final third quality was, was that little bit better. Yeah, I thought it was excellent in terms of, the game yesterday, I think probably other than I thought Nakamba probably for me pinch man the match, but I think he he was he was up there to top three. Um, yeah, I mean he found so much space that down that that right behind Castagno, as we said in in the preview pod, it was all about could, could we get behind the the fullbacks and Kabore did that time and time again. 
I think what Kieran said in the first half was a bit harsh in terms of the end product. I thought the end product was actually pretty good. I think if, if I'm not wrong, he was the guy that crossed it in for Brown's header on the post. So, um, yeah, I thought he had two or three really good crosses. And I think if Morris finds that space or if Eli's there, I think someone gets on the end of it and and, 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 and scores. So I thought it was excellent. He, he was all, always offering out wide for the midfielders. And I think when you've got a midfield too, you always need to offer them options in terms of getting the ball up the pitch and he did that really well um so yeah really pleased really pleased with him yesterday you, you, you can tell he's still still a bit raw in terms of his in, in terms of his sort of footballing style both attacking and and defensively but yeah I mean, he's he's someone that I truly believe if we persist with and give him 10-15 games I think he'll be a re- really really good good top flight um fullback win back um Defensively, as you alluded to, yeah, okay, the goal the goal came from his side, but I think he actually did quite well. He sort of pushed Willie in all the way out to the byline, and that limits the angle so much. Which is that that's all you want as a centre half is you want the wing back just to limit that angle. So if the ball does come in, because you can't block every cross that comes in, that's impossible. If if you block the angle, then it's up to the centre half to then deal with it. And then Reese Burt misses the header, and then Kaminsky tries and gets down and gets gets caught in two minds. So, yeah, okay, the goal came from his side, but, yeah, no blame on his door whatsoever. And, and Kieran, coming from a defensive standpoint, um, I, I mentioned it at the start, came against William, who has terrorised defences in this, in this Premier League for quite some time. Did you think he had the better of that battle? For the most part, yeah, because apart from that one chance, I don't actually remember William doing anything noteworthy whatsoever. And the thing is, with a player of William's age now, like the qualities there, like they always say about these sorts of players, like, you know, class is permanent and you might sort of lose your pace or you might lose your quickness and your sharpness, but you never lose that ability. And William showed that yesterday, like there was glimpses of the second he gets on the ball, he sort of had flashbacks that Chelsea William a little bit, but. Kabore just went, nah, don't care. And apart from that one cross, which they're going to seek through the cracks anyway, like it's not an alarming thing to me that he let that go through. It was just one of those where it's like, okay, he's just got there a second quicker. Like it's going to happen to Doughty on the other side. Other players are going to do that to Kabore throughout the season. Or Mitoma like did it to him at Brighton, like things like that. It's, we don't look at every cross and go, oh no, he's let a cross through. That must mean he's having a bad game. Like it's, it's just one of those things. And it's then the error that sort of led to the goal isn't his fault. It's past that point. Like the ball's going to go in. And naturally, I think everyone in the crowd thought Kaminsky had that in his hands. And the second it spilled out, he thought, but fine. Kabore, personally, his final third is improving. I know what I said earlier in the pod, but I mean, the good thing is it is getting better every game, which means that. You come to mid-season where we need someone like that flying up the wings. Is like in games like Brighton, yeah, we didn't get much chance. Same with Chelsea, but you never know going away to a bigger team and you just need someone to get at them. He's the man to do it, to be honest. And if you're then playing someone like Brown or Chong off of our striker, who's like I mentioned about that inside forward kind of role, it gives Kabore all that room on that right wing, and then offers someone else the option to sort of get in the box and actually give us an option for a cross. Now, who would be a referee? It's 
I think in the modern game, um, the referees do get a lot of stick, but ultimately uh, there were lots of decisions yesterday that were very, very questionable. Um, and I think being in the stands, being at the game, um, it's probably amplified how how um, how many decisions that the referee got wrong yesterday. Um, and I know being at the game, you can't see everything back. So there's probably certain things that you... Um, you can be wrong about, but then looking back at but some of the replays of not necessarily big decisions, but it was the it was just consistently against us. It felt yesterday, and I know um, all fans think referees against them, but but yesterday was more noticeable than than I don't know than recent memory. JV, there were big decisions that that did go against us, but but ultimately there were lots of decisions that went against us. Yeah, and you said at the start who who would be a referee. Well, clearly the referees choose to be referees when they actually sign up, sign up for the job, right? So they know exactly what they're signing up for. You talk about it's a tough job, it's really difficult to get it in the moment. Well, you signed up to be a referee. It's your job. Now do your job. Like, your, your job at that level. Like you have a bit of sympathy at non-league because either they're part-time or they have other jobs to sort of keep up with income. But at that level, their job... Monday to Friday, that they train to be referees. They watch back footage. Like, I, it's just like if you can't handle the heat, get out of the fucking kitchen for God's sake. Like, just it's your job to get calls right. And for me, okay, the referee over, over the game was disgraceful. But the one decision that really got got on my gears was when was was, was when Tete was a yard in front, a yard in front of the linesman in our corner get breathed on by, I don't know who it was, a bell. He literally falls over, goes to pick, pick the ball up, and then, and then the lino waves for a foul. I'm just like, he's literally fallen over and you've given him a free kick. What? Like, y- your job is to be a linesman. As I say, you train Monday to Friday to be a linesman. He's literally right in front of you and you give that as a foul. Like, People keep saying, is it corruption against Luton or is it, are they just inept? I, I honestly don't know what's worse. It's one of them. It could be both. But if you're inept, then why are you at that, why are you at that, at that level? Because, again, it's your job. You, I don't know how much they're paid, but probably a decent sum, but being, being at that level. Or if you're corrupt, then, or, yeah, who knows? It's like, as Kim has, Kim has said in his tweets, it's just an old boys club. And you saw it yesterday as well, at other games, match there, I know. Heckenbottom was 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 very um, let's say I guess not 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 truthful, but in his press conference he he, he didn't really didn't really hold back in terms of what the rest were doing with, with time wasting, and I think that they, they told that their keepers to kick long because they can't kick short. Like it's not up to them to to, to decide what a, a team does. Okay, obviously. If Spurs are pipping in the, the Sheffield United centre half, he's got to kick long. You can't accuse him of time wasting because he's not kicking long. He's at, he actually might want to see if there's another player he can kick to. And likewise, yesterday Kaminsky got booked after what ten seconds for time wasting. Again, he went to go kick short to Burke or Lockyer. Then he's like, oh shit, he can't do that. Okay, let, let's go back again to go, to go kick long. He gets booked for it. It's just that they're just on their high horse for everything in a minute and. They're not letting players actually just play the game. And it's just it's just really frustrating because I think yesterday with a 
an impartial referee, we we, we get some we get something out of that game. The, the Paulinho uh, tackle on Lukonga, okay, not it's absolutely not a red card, but he's late. Lukonga's got the ball. He's basically need him in, in the arse. The ref hasn't even given it as a foul advantage. He's just let it play on as if like nothing's happened. And it's um, yeah, it's really frustrating because th- these are the moments that decide seasons. And they say it all evens out, but it doesn't. It doesn't even out because you just. It impacts future games and results as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really frustrating. And I think I'll stop there. I'll, I'll let Kieran do one of his famous rants again. Yeah, Kieran, to, um, continue continue on Jamie's point. Um, as, as Jamie mentioned there, there was there, there were loads of incidents yesterday that just didn't go our way. Um, I, I think waking up this morning, the fact that still as frustrated as we were yesterday is is more to the fact that you know it wasn't just not not being our day it was a lot that didn't go against it, a lot that went against us sorry and you know a lot of that can be evidenced by the goal by key moments in the game um yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable um because of the referee yesterday no and the trouble is it just again, it just comes down to lack of consistency over decisions. Like Jamie mentioned, the Kenny Tete one. I remember being absolutely off my head from that, but only because two minutes before that exact same tackle would happen the other way round on us, and nothing was given except ours was actually a foul. As in, Tete didn't get touched by a pinky finger like Doctor Evil and fall over and flat on his ass in front of the linesman. Like half the decisions that were given yesterday, I was just sat there met like head in hands, just like, in what world are you justifying these decisions? And again, it just comes back to what I said last week. Like, I don't feel like I'm gonna say anything I haven't said before is justify these decisions. If you're gonna be as out there as you were yesterday, just outright towards Fulham, like I had a Fulham fan giving me grief on Twitter this morning, like, oh, I don't really know why you're getting a ref in and blinding about the ref. And I'm like, well, you would say that, wouldn't you? Because every single decision went your way, whether it was Harry Wilson fucking lobbing himself at the floor, Kenny Tete lobbing himself to the floor, Polina getting away with yellow card tackles all game long. You're not going to sit there and say the ref's been like shit, are you? You're going to be buzzing your tits off because you've managed to get away with it again and again and again. Every single time we try and even remotely win the ball, it's a free kick. I think of about four times they have free, like direct free kicks outside our box. And I think the problem stems higher up. It's an old boys club. It's all like we've said, what, who wants to be a referee? It's old boys who want a power trip. They're all best friends. They all help each other out. VAR yesterday with the Tom Lockyer penalty incident. I've not seen it, but there was no review again. It's just little things like that, but they all add up and it all adds to the frustration. It's like just you think of the War Prowse one from West Ham and then you get the decisions like this. And it's like, yeah, it's a knock-on effect because every time it gets worse, like every ref this season has got progressively worse and worse and worse. And, it, and every time you walk away and you think, can it actually be any worse than that? And then they go, oh, yeah, but there you go. There's Trevor Kettle. Oh, there's Salisbury there. Oh, there's Howard Webb and Mike Dean here. They're retired. I don't care. But the point stands. It's just, they always somehow, some way, manage to just be even more shit than the week before. 
like when they're reviewing their footage in the week, is there anyone higher than them, i.e. the person that's training them, that goes, hmm, actually, that ain't, that ain't the one. Like, look at those decisions you've been making. They're shocking. There isn't at all. Like, there's no accountability. There's Again, there's no justification for all these decisions that you just seem to be getting blatantly wrong. Like, it's not even a case of just having a bias because it's Luton and we're watching from the stands. And yeah, there'll be a couple of times we feel a bit aggrieved and we've not seen it how we should have seen it just because we're behind the goal and not watching it on a fucking armchair. But there, nothing went our way yesterday. Every single tap, touch, push. It's a fucking contact sport. Like, I get it, it's not rugby, but it's a contact sport. So let the game go. Heckingbottom said it yesterday. It's not football anymore. They want to stop, start, stop, start. That ref might as well have kept the whistle in his mouth the old game. Just, he didn't stop using it. But for what? Like, everyone was just hands up. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you using it for? Like, just let the game play on. I mean, that's pretty much all I've got to say on it because I, I hate the referees. I hate the higher up. PG Mole, they can fuck off as well. They're all, it's, it's as useless as a chocolate teapot. It's all shit from this level to the higher up. It's all just shit and it needs a revamp ASAP. It's the first time I've seen a, a, an away end, like all uh, everyone were just cheering ironically when we when we got like a throw in. Like it shows how bad it was. Like you've seen it pockets in an away end, but when an away end reacts like that, you just know that everyone is just almost in a state of shock at how calls are going. Like the Chong getting booked for a dive when he was fouled on, on the counter. But no, it's fine. No, he, he dived and, and gave and gave it to Fulham instead. It's just shocking. It was relentless yesterday and it was almost exhausting. And it it made it at times someone replied to my tweet that he was almost close, close to leaving because he just couldn't stand it. And you, you almost get it at times. You just don't want to be there. You don't want to watch because it's just exhausting. It's just not football. Um, and I don't know what the solution is. Do do you want former players to be referees instead? I, I don't know. I, I doubt players want to be refs because they hate them. From from, uh, I, I guess that's the thing, right? W why are there no former players that go to be referees? Because clearly they they don't like referees because of because of how they've been treated for, 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 like throughout their careers. Instead, they they'd rather just be, be pundits because it's just the easier job. Um, and there needs to be some sort of solution. I, I, you, you need referees that understand the sport rather than just read a rule book and apply their opinion. You need to understand the sport first and foremost rather than just know what words are on a paper. You know what rule 15.2.5 means. I don't give a shit what, what the rule book says. I actually know the sport because that's more important. I think a sort of key question for the audience, right, is... Mike Dean always got the reputation as like a pantomime villain and like everyone would take the mic and obviously you had Howard Webb with Fergie time, right? Do you think that, for example, that ref 10 minutes into that game, we were on his case, rightfully so, we were on his case because of his shit decisions. Do we genuinely believe that refs see that sort of crowd reaction? They almost like play into it, but that might be me taking it too far. But like, do they just sort of, because that's how it feels like. On, from an outside looking in it's like I want to make this all about me so if I do this and I do that they're going to be on my case but I'm the guy like they feel like the dog's bollocks almost 
because he'll have gone into his changing room last night and he'll have had Marco Silva knocking on his door going, thank you, thank you so much. Meanwhile, he'll have had Carlton Morris and Rob Edwards probably want to smack him. Like, I just don't understand this sort of, like, pantomime villain, like, big boss kind of mentality. Like, oh, look at me. I've got all the power. Yep, there's a yellow card. Like, Chong getting booked for diving. Kaminsky getting booked for time-wasting. Like, booking Kaminsky for time-wasting one time because he went to, like you said, went to play it short, couldn't play it short, changed his mind, goes to play it long. Nope, you're time-wasting. Yellow card. So, again, that, like you just said then, it comes back to lack of understanding of the game. Because he doesn't understand that all the keeper's doing is changing his decision, which he's allowed to fucking do. But then Leno, second half, oh yeah, let's just gently roll the ball out. Oh, let's just take a cut. Let's walk back. Oh, let's walk up to the ball. Yeah, I suppose I better kick it out now. 20 seconds each time. But that's absolutely fine that he gets to do that eight, nine, ten times in the second half. But how are you justifying that as not time-wasting then? And people wonder why they think the refs are always against us and they wonder if corruption's a thing. Because if you're just going to give away yellow cards like that and not do it the other way, you just look like a twat. End of story. Should I bring in AI referees? Is that, <laughs> is that how we deal with it? No. VAR was meant to be this solution, wasn't it? It was meant to be this brand new thing that was like, oh, yeah, but it's going to eradicate referee mistakes. But it's being ran by the same fucking people who are making the mistakes on the pitch. So if they make the mistakes on the pitch when they're recruited for games, how can you trust them from Stockley Park to not make the same ones? I I just... Mm, Revamp it. Change the system. Because at the moment, it's all shit. Terrible. Let's move on to the end of the game. Um, obviously, Luton players came, clapped the travelling support. Us as the, the fans again, brilliant. Um, you, you just have to go by people that, that were watching it and sent messages saying how how loud we were. And again, we were clapping. Um, we we're clapping the team. We we're clapping Edwards and, and really getting behind the team. Um, Edwards seemed to, to be taken aback again by our support. We've been unrelenting in our support for, for the last four games as we were, you know, that, that was to be expected. But I think you could also see in his reaction yesterday an element of frustration because he, he knew that that was a game where we could have got something from it. Um, you take away, you know, you even take away the chances. You, you um, How Fulham played, there was definitely, definitely a point or, or even more to, to be had there. And I think he was frustrated with the fact that you know, there's going to be fine margins this season and we need to start getting on the right end of fine margins. And I know we're still in the infancy of this Premier League season and we are going to improve and we are going to be on the, the right end of fine margins. That is, to that is, you know, you can be certain about that. But Jamie, could you see that frustration in him yesterday? Could you see, um, you know, the fact that he knew that there was more than, you know, the eventual loss? I think it wasn't as much frustration. I think he was gutted. You could see almost a tear in his eye at the end on that close-up video that Luton posted this morning. You can just tell he was gutted that that, that was points there. And in his post-match, he said that he truly believes he he deserved to be stood there or talking about a positive result, be that a draw or, or a win. And yeah, it's just I, I, share, I, I share that that emotion with, with Rob, really. I think 
obviously we, we want to win because we're all Luton fans and we want to see the club do well. But he's also we also want to win for 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 him because he's he's just he's our gaffer and he's I think he's probably the the the, the manager that I've connected to most in my Luton following career as as, as I, obviously I connected with Nathan but he was in in Ralph for a long time but which has still been in Ralph for less than less than a year and we all have this 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 affection towards him so I, I not only do I want Luton to, to do well for for us as Luton fans but also for him um and I just hope that it it almost turns soon and by turns I mean luck rather than performance I think I think the performances have been there but we just I hope that the luck turns soon because I just fear that if if we get through this little one of games where we should be getting points and we're still one zero or one or two points after eight nine ten games I just fear that the support understandably may may not be there as much I think if we're suddenly away at Forest and we've lost again after game what 11 12 um then I think that end of game reaction probably won't be there. It will be more almost an acceptance of our position. So, yeah, I just really hope that for us and for him, we can start picking up points because, um, yeah, I'm not sure how much longer it can happen. It's, I mean, you talk about, obviously, we're, we're going to support no matter what throughout the season, no ma- absolutely no matter what, I'll still be there on game 38 if we've got, if we've got no points. But, yeah, just for just for, for the atmosphere and, and just for the, for the feel-good factor, I hope that, that we we start getting our our just awards soon. Well, that is all for today. A big thank you to the pair of you for joining, and a big thank you to everyone watching and listening. Um, of course, our socials are Oak Road Hatter on absolutely everything, bar Instagram, where it is Oak Road Hatter Pod. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as we continue to, to push that forward. Which, of course, is Oak Road Hatter. Until next time, though, it is goodbye from us. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.